This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Abraham Saki with the Word of God. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is just an introduction. Let me read to you my sermon text. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on therefore tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Let me just say this. If I'm so led, we'll pray when the sermon is finished. If I find out I'm going too long, I'll stop and then we will pray. Yeah? Bearing with one another, Listen, bearing with one another. I can't stand him. I can't stand there. The Bible says, bear with one another. And forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is a bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Stop complaining. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving Thanks to God the Father through him. Ephesians 5, 18, 20. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems like I've, I've read the same passage twice. No, I haven't. I read from Colossians, and I've read from Ephesians. So my introduction. Most people will be familiar with the Old Testament because of the Psalms. The Psalmist invites us to sing unto the Lord. Israel often sang when God had given them victory. What has been brought home to me as I've um, dwelt on this subject is that the New Testament has got to say, has a lot to say on singing. For some of us, this will be a refresher course. For some of us, it will be new. Whichever way it is, I trust that God would minister to you and to me also. This is a serious subject. Do you ever stop to reflect on the words that you sing? Are the songs theologically sound, or do you just go for the rhythm? Sometimes you just go for the rhythm. You know something? Back in the day, for example, um, during the Reformation after that, they used to sing songs, and they were called the Geneva Jingles. The Geneva Jingles, uh, the, the hymns were written, or the theology of it was written, how do, how do they get people to sing it? So they found some of, the, some, of the, some of the songs that were being sung, and they took the tune of it, and they played to it. I remember one coming to church once, and somebody was playing on the, that was when we sat the other way. You know the, you know the song, Malaika? Malaika. You sing in my life, my lifetime, my life, Malaika, Miriam Akiba. And somebody was playing, I thought, hang on, this chap is playing Malaika in church. No, we can't sing Malaika in church. 
Some of you, so what's Malaika? Anybody here who doesn't know Malaika? I said, who doesn't know? I didn't say fight me. Sorry. Yeah, I beg you. Some of you are ready for a fight. Anybody? The, non, the roman, non-romantics amongst us do not know it. But you see, they picked, they picked the, the tune was important. So they picked the tune, but then they supplied their own words. Theologically sound. Some of you will remember our late sister uh, Miriam Rodonko. Miriam Rodonko used to say to us, she read it somewhere, it says, Christians don't tell lies. They sing lies. Lord, I give you my all, I give you my soul, until you tell them to pay their tithe, and they say, no. But that's true. Until you talk about tithing, or stop fighting, or stop gossiping, oh, come on, pastor, get serious. But meanwhile, you've, you've done all, you've done the, flooded your eyelids and everything and everything, as if it's a butterfly on your, on your eyelids. There we go. This preaching theme is, is not an exercise to determine the genre of what we sing. It is simply re-echoing or calling us to be alive to the scriptural injunction and admonition to sing. I wrote this myself, and I'm just trying to get something uh, home to you. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs equals singing. Please make sure you get right. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't know why the apostle wrote it up, but Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. No spiritual songs. Just get, it, just get it right. There's something about getting things in their right order. Psalms and hymns and spiritual. Turn to the person next to you and say exactly what I've just said. Okay. Tell them well done. They've, they've, they've promoted to the next class, yeah? Thank you very much. We are called to sing the spiritual truths of the word of God. We are called to give expression. It's not to give expression, but expression to our feelings, prayers, and heart's desire through singing. Singing involves the mind or the intellect. Singing involves your mind, your intellect. Our receptivity and creativity, creativity is, 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 is involved. Our ability to remember and acknowledge what we have received. Do you know something? Sometimes you know a hymn. And that, uh, it, it's sung in a different tune. And you find that you struggle to remember the words. Well, I know it happens to me. You may be more clever than me, so it doesn't happen to you. We all have our preferred tunes to songs, isn't it? You sing it, oh, having said that, this morning we sang two hymns, and I thought to myself, where did they get those words from? They changed the words. I think people should be, should be prosecuted for changing words, and I say John Wesley or Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley didn't write the words you, you produced. You can't agree with his theology. You change his words, and you say, he said it. He didn't, he didn't, say, he didn't say that. But anyway, anyway, let's, 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 let's go on. So when you... When you sing, it, 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 involve, it involves the mind. It involves the intellect. Call into mind what you know. It involves, also, it involves the emotions. How can you sing without being emotional? Now, there is nothing wrong about emotion, but to be overly emotional. Now, I'm just talking about singing by itself, not so much the spiritual songs of it. Why do you want to rouse up people? What do you do? You get him sing. We know go green, we know go green. We know go green, we know go green. Some of you will know, and they are marching, and you know they're going to cause trouble. I think I'm not such a joke. You know, South Africa, back in the days when, when they come 
and they are jumping. I, I, I was going to try to jump, but I realized that I'm too fat to do that kind of thing. But they, they, they come in, and they are coming for war. They don't come, into, they don't come to smile at you. And they are singing, and they are coming. It comes from deep within. That is singing. Mm. The vocal cause expressing truth and reality in an appropriate way. So what are my objectives? What are our, not my, but our objectives? There are others who will come after me to share on this subject. It's a call to obey and explore the scriptural injunctions to sing. God calls us to sing. I don't know about you. I, is there anybody who cannot sing? I mean, I don't know. Listen, I've never asked that question before. Actually, I think I know. So I, I'll be careful what I say because, uh, no, I wouldn't say that. My, our third son likes singing. He sings everywhere. I hope I won't get told off when I get back I get home. But when he starts singing, the, old, the two older boys will say to me, stop singing. I said, what's wrong with you? Don't listen to them. Sing to your heart's content. They cannot sing to save their lives. So that's why they tell you to, no, sing. For goodness sake, after all, she takes, he takes after my side of the family, Abby. That is not true. My wife can sing. My father-in-law can sing. They can all sing. Ex, uh, we, 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 we would like to deepen and enrich our individual and corporate spiritual work with the Lord. This morning, for those of us who had the privilege to be here, Pastor George led us to pray using a, 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 a hymn. That was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. I'm not suggesting that everybody who comes must do that, but that's what we did. Our objective is for us to access the heights and the depths of the things of God. There are certain things that can only be reached by, you know, there are certain, there are certain, certain uh, places that can only be, be accessed by maybe walking or flying or something. And there are certain things in God that can only be accessed through singing. That and only that. We want to create a soil, the environment and the temperature where spiritual gifts are on earth nurtured and exercised the glory of God. I have no doubt about that. Experience, I'm shouting, okay, Abraham Saki, do not shout. Experience has taught me this, that in an atmosphere when people sing and when people lift up Christ, things begin to happen. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking experience. I thank God for those who, I was sharing with somebody, yes, I know, some, I won't mention it, about my, my background, where I've come from. When I became a Christian, I came from, I came, I, I, my background is in Methodism. And Methodists like to sing. Should I say we can sing? When I say we can sing, some of you say, get out here. What are you doing on an apostolic pulpit? You know, some of you think I'm not born again. Listen, if it is your apostolic that makes you born again, then you, you really are a sad one. Yeah? You should get born again. It's the Bible. Believe in the Bible. It is not the church. It's the Bible. As we keep on telling you, when we break bread, <laughs> the apostolic church didn't die for you. It's Christ who died for you. You want to argue that? Please don't come to me. I say you really need your heart to be examined. Anyway, there you have it. But we're brought up in singing. So when, when, when you sing, there's something that happens. We're taught to sing. Of the Methodists, it was said that their theology was in their singing. And when you got Charles Wesley and you got John Wesley, people who had been to school the highest level, Oxford Dons, and they wrote real theology they taught their people how to sing. It was said of them that they taught their people to die and to die well. Because they taught them, this is what it's about. This earth is not what life is all about. And can you imagine 
Blackheath. Kennington, not so long ago, just down the road over there. Back then, six o'clock, even earlier than that, and people have come out and they are singing. And we say, 9.30, you say, no. Hey, you know something? I was just thinking, when I started working in accountancy, we used to start at 9.30. Then all of a sudden, when, 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 when the, the, in the 90s, when the recession came, any of you remember the days of the recession when people were being laid off left, right, and center? Some of you are too young to know. Look at the person next to you and see whether they are too young to know. Never mind, don't look at them. You know? Then the officers came and said, we are no longer starting at 9.30, we are starting at 9. And you know what? Your wages have not changed either. So they got half an hour off you each day for free. Nobody left their jobs because they said come at 9 o'clock. Nobody did. I shall say, say no more on the subject. But you see, when we pray, when we, well, not when we pray, when we sing, we lift up Christ higher and he comes to inhabit our praises. We create the atmosphere to let the fire of God fall. Oh, my friends, when you pray, say, God, let the fire fall. Brothers, you pray and say, Lord, when we sing, let the fire fall. As you and I sing, whether we sing hymns, whether we sing psalms, whether we sing spiritual songs, let the fire fall. There's something in singing. My mind has just gone round to back in the day, 18, 19, 20, 21, and what we used to do, we used to go through the school, some of the schools in Ghana, uh, praying for people for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and stuff like that. And sometimes you sang certain songs and people go baptized in the Holy Ghost. You sat back later and said, God, I mean, I don't understand this song. This song is really, it's, it's really not Christian, is, is it? Oh, Lazarus, eh? Oh, Yanyo, Dizemi, Lazarus, eh? It's a foolish song if you come to think about it. Those who understand, it's a, it's a silly song if you come to think about it. Oh, we're singing and we're fervent. Did you hear the story of the man who preached about um, Paul and his wife Silas? Paul and his wife Silas, and people got saved. So, what do I care? <laughs> Please don't come and do it over here. We'll chase you out of here before. So, what's going to be our approach? We're going to preach and teach from some of the great hymns. We're going to explain the place of singing in our individual and corporate lives. We're going to explain the forms and the place of singing in our devotional lives. We will teach the use of hymns and songs in our spiritual warfare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When you are in spiritual warfare and God gives you a song and you begin to sing it and the powers of darkness do not like it and they, behave, and, and they react so violently only because you sang. <laughs> Did I say only? Not, I shouldn't really say only because you sang. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. As I speak, I pray that the spirit of God will come upon you and you hear God speak deep into your spirit and your life will never, never be the same again. So we seek to encourage and stir up the spiritual creativity aspect of our lives. We talk of creativity in writing and composing under the power of the Holy Spirit. I said writing and composing under the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you sit watching Nollywood, Ramzaki, be careful now. People will write you off. Did you know that for those of you who watch Nollywood, they said Nollywood is no longer going to be on, on, on Sky. So I was like, oh, never mind. You go and do something better with yourself, yeah? But... It's when you pray, when you pray in that your creative, spiritual creati creativity gets stirred up. 
Don't tell me that you cannot do it if you haven't tried. Try spending some time quietly somewhere praying. Sit somewhere quietly and begin to cogitate, begin to reflect. Our God is the God of creation. So if my God is a God of creation, his children must be also creative. He will stir up something deep within your spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, God would stir up something within your spirit. And when they've said that to you, you will say, God, please stir up something deep within me. Hallelujah. Let me move on quickly for some reason. Okay. Listen to this. I'm on slide 11 now. Just a few bits on singing the scriptures, and then we'll go on to something else. God was speaking to Job. Job, Job had an argument with God. Job said, God, if you're a man, I'll take you to court. Because Job didn't like the way God was treating him. Yeah, he didn't like it. I mean, what have I done? Why am I going through what I'm going through? I said, God, if you're a man, I'll take you to court. So God comes around and speaks to Job and says, Job 38, 1 to 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, God says, where were you, Job? The morning stars, they sang together. Now let me do some reading to you. What I call assertions. I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. So I search the word and because of my background in Methodism, try to find out what a Methodist taught their people back in the day. And I came across a book and the writer of the book comes with some assertions. Let me read them to you. Let me, as it were, put them before you and see what you think and I might bring some understanding. So listen to this. In the presence of music, the meditative soul contemplates a mystery. Think of it. In the presence of music, the meditative soul contemplates a mystery. There is a mystery that takes place when you and I sing. I felt like singing, but perhaps I will not sing properly. No, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he watches me. He's being, why should I be discouraged? Why should I? When I face temptation so, when Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he, his heart is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches. 
Can you imagine what happens to the man or the woman who perhaps things are not going very well and as they sing, they sit over there praying and then this song comes to them and as they begin to sing it, something begins to happen. The, the darkness dissipates. The darkness goes away. That's the power of music. So in the presence of music, the meditative soul contemplates a mystery. The mystery of God being one with man. The mystery of God indwelling us. Music wields powers employed by no other art. For the musical art alone can stir the emotions without depicting, without depicting objects or episodes such as the representative arts demand as a vehicle for expression. So you don't need that statute, you don't need that, you don't need that. It's all within. Oh. Please don't write me off. But can you imagine, you go to a football match, or you go to a rugby match, and things are not going very well. Swing low, sweet chariot. And then the whole place stirs up. Something happens when we sing. And what we're calling this church to and to ourselves is, let's come to that place when we begin to explore the mysteries of singing. Music speaks directly to the heart, to the art. It is a language of the emotions. Music is a language of the emotions. What we're talking about now, we are talking about singing to God. But nothing stops you from singing to your, to your spouse. Now you should know him or her very well. If they think that you're a bad singer, I suggest that you do not drink it, do it at all, yeah? And perhaps it, it, it is because God sometimes speaks directly to the art of a man that the poets have called music the divine art. But all art is a sense sacred. And perhaps Kalai best describes the attributes of music when he declares, music is a kind of inarticulate, unfathomable speech, which leads us to the edge of the infinite and impels us for a moment to gaze into it. Give me the wings of faith to rise within the veil and see. The saints above, how sweet their praise. How bright their glories be. You know that? You know the hymn? Give me the wings of faith to rise within the veil and see. The saints above, how sweet their praise. How bright their glories be. I ask them whence their victory came. When I sing this, I was sharing with somebody earlier. My, I remember my mother, as a four-year-old, Give me the wings of faith to rise within the veil and see. The saints above, how sweet your praise, how bright. This is, this is theology. It beats everything now, double, double. It beats it every day. Yeah, everything now, double, double has got its place. But this is contemplative music that sinks into the soul. Lord, help us. Let's go to slide 15. The song of Moses. Moses had just come to the Red Sea with Israel. And we told that Moses sang. The fascinating thing about it is that when you go to Revelation, this happened in time past. You go to Revelations, we are told that they sang the song of Moses. I was minded to read to us all the verses, but time would not allow us. So let me read to you just a few of those words from uh, um, Exodus, Exodus 15. Then Moses said, and most of the children of Israel sang this song 
to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown it. You know that you know the song? I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Come on. Under which Christianity do you grow up? <laughs> Margaret, you know it, don't you? Yeah. There are different kinds of Christians. I think there were those who were saved before the floods came and those after the floods. <laughs> the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. Listen, my friend, listen, listen. Picture this, picture this, picture this. Here is a man who has just come through the mighty Red Sea. Behind them had been the mighty force of the greatest force on earth. They were going to, dr they were going to drown the sea and they've walked dry short. And then when they look back, when, when, when Egypt chased them, Egypt were washed away. So when you come to the other end, how can you not, how can you not be emotional? I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed. Why don't you stand with me for a moment? Stand with me for a moment and say, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Come on, somebody say, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Hallelujah. Somebody make a declaration. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider, he has strode in the sea. Oh, thank you. I tell you what, while we stand, let's read the song of Moses from verse 1, um, slide 15. Let's read together, then you can take your seat, please. Don't take forever to read it, otherwise you'll be standing forever. Yeah, thank you. Let's read. Then Moses... My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. Hallelujah. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the sea. 16. The deaths have covered them. They sunk to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. The blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floors stood upright like a heap. The deaths congealed in the heart of the sea. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Praise his name. And take your seat, please. Thank you, Jesus. So this was sung long ago. Then you go into the book of Revelations. And this was says, Revelations 15, 1 to 4. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who had the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, they sang the song of Moses. 
the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And I say, Amen. So we're talking about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Slide 19, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, uh, this is uh, for the sake of the tape. I said, 2 Samuel 21, uh, 23, 1 to 2. Now these are the last words of David. That says David, the son of Jesse. That is the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. I will tell you why I've read this. I've read this because you and I are capable of asking God to anoint us. Yes. Tell the man, the man who went next to you, he's talking about you. Oh, come on. Become, I'm talking about you. It happened to David. Why can it not happen to us when you and I devote our time to say, we will wait. And as we wait, we will pray and God will come and anoint us. Don't write yourself off. You know something? I may just be preeming to myself. Yes, so you may not be able to carry a sing to save your life. In fact, if you came to singing to have your supper, you always go hungry. But you may just be able to put pen to paper and write some words. Not just any old words, but write it in such a way that boom, 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 when you sing, they go together. And then you find somebody who has got the ability to put voice to it. And before you know, God is being blessed. I'm not, I'm not saying before you know the money is going, going to the bank account. That's the wrong way for doing things. Oh, God, help us in this place. Help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. In the name of Jesus. The song of ascents. The journey of worship. This is talking about Israel. As they traveled up and through, and through mountains, they sang what are called songs of ascents. These songs recorded in Psalms 121 to 134 were songs reminding the people of God's grace, his mercy, his provision, his protection, and his salvation. Why don't you spend some time and say, Lord, I will sit and reflect on your message towards me. Yesterday in our prayer meeting, I asked, is there anyone who can tell, talk, speak about God's grace upon their lives, where God has shown you grace? Of course, we are all, we are, we are all sons of his grace and whatever it is. But you can say, in this particular instance, God came through for me. And you reflect on those things. And as you reflect on those things, you say, Lord, I thank you. What have you got <laughs> that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast? Why do you look at someone and you poor so-and-so? The day you call someone a poor so-and-so, you say, I got mine by water. So anyway, let's move on. The psalmist says we should admonish, teach and admonish one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is where we find, I'm on slide 21. This is why, why, where we find expression for our duty of care to one another. We have a duty of care to one another. We are supposed to teach one another. We are supposed to be admonish. What does it mean to admonish one another? To admonish. Any word for admonish, anybody? Spread over an minute, okay. Counsel, advice. 
correction, warning. Oh, we don't like warning. I was speaking to a lady long ago, 20, 25 years ago. I said, I'm warning. You say, you warning me. I said, yes, I could have done better, but more than that. She needed more than be warned. She needed to have been flogged. But that's a different, that's a different matter. So we are supposed to admonish one another. The duty of care as a result of our common humanity, fatherhood and, uh, I mean, fatherhood and being fellow workers together with God. When you see somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing, I say, my brother, what you are doing is not good. My sister, what you're doing is not good. You're hurting your brother. You're hurting your husband. You're hurting your wife. You're hurting, you're hurting Christ. You are bringing the name of Christ into dispute. Oh, I wouldn't talk. Well, hey, when I talk, uh, he will visit hell upon me. Yes, that's true. He might visit hell upon you. But you would, have, you would have discharged your duty. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Whatever and however we admonish one another must stem from nothing else but the word of God and in goodwill. Before you go to somebody saying, my brother, I've come to admonish you on this thing. Make sure that you yourself, uh, you who preach, that shall not steal. Do you steal yourself? As somebody said, just because you sin differently, from, don't criticize me because I sin differently from you. You sin, I'm sinning, and you are criticizing me because I don't sin the same way you sin. No. The call and response in singing lends itself to this task. I'm going to draw to a close now. Speak admonish and sing. It's a two-step process of speaking, admonishing, and singing. I'm on slide 22. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Before you can admonish somebody, before you can teach somebody, nemo dat conon habet, you cannot give what you do not have. Okay, that has nothing to do in this context. That's just a legal uh, maximum of passing on, passing on title, good title to somebody. But the truth is there. If I don't know it, how can I teach you? I've got to know it first because I, before I can teach you. Or you've got to know it first before you can teach me. But then, so it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Not dwell in you in all foolishness. Because for some of us, the word of God is in us, but we use it for foolishness. All I have to do, I will use it as a big stick to hit you. Somebody says, what does Revelation 2 say? What does it understand there? And what does it say? That word hasn't visited you. In fact, that word condemns you because of your poor behavior. Anyway, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5a. Then teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Oh, I like the bit, singing with grace. I must be careful what I say now because this, this thing gets somewhere else. Shall I say no? Okay, I'll tell you in the way that you wouldn't know. I knew somebody who when they had uh, problems with their stepmother, would take their hymn book, sit in a very uh, strategic place, find a hymn that can really convey a message to the step, and then sing it. Unfortunately, it's in Ghana, so I'm not going to sing it. While I'm lying there dead with my legs stretched, then the fools will come and cry. And then the stepmother will say, who are you calling a fool? Of course, she knew that she was speaking. That, that is a total misuse of it. We sing to the Lord. My sister, we sing to the Lord. We don't sing. It's not like you go to, you go to, you go, uh, you go, Arsenal, are you watching Arsenal? It's not, that's, that's not, that's not it. 
We may want to ask us that whether you are watching because we're just winning the, uh, <laughs> the Champions League for the fifth time. It's a dream on, of course. God is able to do a sin abundantly more than we can think of that. So that's my scripture. <laughs> Abraham said that is foolishness. And I say, I agree. Let me move on straightly. Let me read to you. Slide 23. Let's read together and then we'll come to close. Let's read. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Come on, let's read together. Amen. When you listen to this song being sung, and we told that the rhythm of it is from West Africa. They say that um, the writer, and who is it, John, who wrote Amazing Grace? Come on. Anyway, I've gone blank myself. I can find it. Anyway. He was, he was a, 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 ship, a, a slave, uh, a captain on the slave ship. And they said he picked those words or the tune of it from West Africa. John Newton. John Newton. So I said, John, John Newton. Amazing. And it's got such a, a Halloween thingy. And those blacks who had been sold by their fellow blacks, being taken across the sea, would sing it. And John Newton's. He set it to music, and over the years, we're still singing Amazing Grace. Sometimes we sing when we are happy, and we sing when we sad. No slaves were not very happy. But it's a, it's, a West, it's a West African tune, most probably Ghana or Nigeria. I said most probably, historians will tell you. And he heard those words, and they sung into his spirit. But the theology of it is so, 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 so deep. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. Are you saved, my friend? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed. Grace taught him to fear, but grace relieved those fears. I say, Lord, I bless you. Going to finish in a second. Go to slide number 26. This morning as I cogitated and meditated, I came across this bit. A.W. Tozer on the hymn book. 
he says, after the Bible, the next most valuable book for the Christian is a, is a good hymnal. He said, a good hymnal. So what's a good hymnal? I may just leave this for another time to explain exactly, but um, if you own a hymnal and you go through it, you'll see that it's all been sectioned. And you've got to understand that um, it takes a committee of um, theologians, people who know their word, to agree what enters into a hymn book or what doesn't enter. I have been listening for quite a while now on a lecture on when Baptists sing Wesleyan hymns. If you know anything about, if you know anything about theology, the Wesleys were Armenian. Not Armenian as in the country, but their, their theology was Jacobus Arminius. But the Baptists were Calvinists, and the two of them, their, their, their doctrine are different. It comes to a place where they diverge. And so Wesley being what he was and the, the Calvinist being what he was, they couldn't sing it. But after a while, some people say, we are being very silly. But people say that when you don't agree with a woman, you don't buy what they sell. They are Baptists. They are Wesley, Wesleyan, so we will not sing, listen to what he's singing. But you realize the truth of it, the theology of it. Can I say to you that next time you sing a hymn, Listen to the theology thereof. Pastor Weeks, I remember him saying, you know, um, a lot, lot of dance. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance. He says, no, that's a rubbish song. He says, that's rubbish. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. The devil on Christ's back. He said, no, the devil never got on Christ's back. He never got there. That was his theology. He never got anywhere near his back. He couldn't get anywhere near there. He, in fact, a, a fight was called. The devil didn't turn up. That is the theology of it. Up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domains. And he lives forever with his saints. Enough, 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 enough. Last slide. Martin Luther says he's singing... He says, the person who sings prays twice. Say that to the person next to you. Maybe your eyes have gotten very heavy because of... The person... Do you understand that? How do you understand that? Some of you are confused and some of you are not confused. Yeah. The person who prays, I mean, who sings, has prayed twice. Go and think about it. That's deep theology. I wonder where I would be without singing. Because when I start, when I start praying, the first thing I do is I sing. And sometimes I sing songs that reminds me of um, when I first came to know the Lord. You wonder, I say, Lord, where did this song come from? Let's stand. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. You just listened to Pastor Abraham Saki of the Apostolic Church All Nation Center in Kennington, London. Our address is 13 Tyres Terrace, Lambeth, London, SE11 5LZ. Call us on 020-7820-9917. Find us on the web at www.apostolic-anc.org. The All Nation Center, reaching out into the community in practical and caring ways.